0: Luke chapter 15 we're on page 726 uh, in the bridge bibles luke chapter 15 verses 11 through 32 in his book are you fascinated which was published in 2008 management consultant ken tucker tells the story of how far people uh, are willing to go to find something of great value Bill Adams, uh, CEO of a large hospital in Virginia, received a frantic phone call one day. And a woman said, my mother came into your hospital with her wedding ring and now we can't find it. And she said, I want to make an appointment uh, to discuss this with you. So the women came to Bill Adams office and she explained that her mother had died just a few days earlier. She died of cancer, and um, she, she described that her parents had been married for 50 years. They, had, they were a loving couple, and they had been um, caring parents, and she said her dad had said the day before with tears in his eyes, it would mean so much to me to be able to put the ring back on her finger before we bury her. So, Mr. Adams, she said, can you help? Can you help find the ring? Bill was deeply moved by the story, and he would said he would look into it, and he would do whatever he could to help find the ring. So he checked the ward where the woman had been and uh, talked to the staff. They went into the room where she had stayed. Uh, they explained that she had uh, lost so much weight during her time there that it would have been very easy for the ring to have fallen off. So they looked on the floor. They looked under the bed. They looked into the bathroom. They looked as many places as they could think of to no avail. So Bill went back to his office, and he was very disappointed uh, with the situation. Then he got an idea. thought he would try. He went to the basement to find the laundry And the laundry chute coming from that floor. He climbed into the laundry bin. The laundry was a bit moist and dirty and soggy. And he groped around until he found the ring. And later he said, I will never forget the look on the woman's face or on her father's face when I handed them the ring the very next day. I think Jesus would have liked that story. Something uh, of value got lost. There was a search and something got found. And then there was joy because of that thing that was lost that had been found. Jesus told three stories in Luke chapter 15 about lost things. Three parables. And remember that a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, an everyday story, people, something common to everyday people, and uh, a spiritual truth in the story. And that's what Jesus did when he told parables. Luke chapter 15, one through seven, is the story of the lost sheep. Something was lost. Remember, there were a hundred sheep. One got lost. Then there was a search. The shepherd searches for the lost sheep. He leaves the 99, and then something was found. He found the sheep. And then how about a party, a celebration? Uh, Let's rejoice. He wants to rejoice with his friends. And the truth about this is even the angels in heaven, God celebrates every time somebody places their faith in Jesus Christ. Every, Every time somebody turns from their sin and turns to God. Verses 8 through 10 was the story of the lost coin. A woman had ten coins. Something lost, she lost one. Remember, there was a search, and she swept the floors looking for the coin, and then it was found, and a celebration. Uh, She's so elated, she tells her friends, let's rejoice together. And again, the angels in heaven celebrate every time someone turns to God from their sin. In Luke 15... Verses eleven through thirty-two, we have the story of the lost son, and this is our story today. So we're going to start with a dysfunctional family. Uh, verses eleven and twelve. The players are in verse one or verse eleven. Jesus continued, verse eleven, There was a man who had two sons. Remember, this is a story. It's not supposed to be an historical event. It's a story that he's telling that will convey very important truth. Um, The situation is verse 12. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me a share of the estate. So he decided, excuse me, so he divided his property between them. Not many details. The story unfolds quickly. Uh, We can try to rethink everything. And well, this is what I would have done or this is what should have done. This is what the father should have done. And this is what the youngest son should have done. Uh, But don't do that. Uh, Follow through on the story. This is where we see some of that dysfunction. Uh, The the, the younger son is very bold. He gets right to the point. Dad, give me. I want. Give me my share of the estate. Father is fairly wealthy. Uh, He's not obligated to give his son uh, his share of the estate st- uh, until after he dies. At least that would be the normal custom. It was normal for the oldest son to receive two-thirds of the estate if, there's, if there are two sons. Uh, the older son got a double portion over the rest of the kids. Um, the father gives the son what he wants. doesn't say whether it was a good idea or not a good idea or what the father thought about. It just says that's what he did. Um, And one of the things we're going to see here is be careful for what you ask for. Uh, The son wanted everything, he wanted it now, so the father gave it to him. Um, Verses 13 through 16, we have a self-centered son. We're going to look more into uh, this uh, young man. And verse 13 is the search for the good life. Not long after that, verse 13, the younger son got together all that he had, he set off for a distant country. And, you know, this is how he got lost, at least according to our video clip. And uh, there he squandered his wealth in wild living. It's probably not the first young man that ever thought that he was smarter than dad. Uh, so he flew the coop. He, he uh, blew out of town, left home, and he couldn't leave fast enough. He wanted to get as far uh, away as he could. The scripture says he went to a distant country, um, likely beyond the borders of Israel in the first century. It says that uh, he squandered his wealth. He partied. He lived lived a high life. He he lived like a high roller. He had nice things, nice clothes, uh, fast cars, fast women. He probably even had an escort service. And then he faces the economic crisis of verse 14. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. Now his inheritance is down to zero. No savings, no investments for a rainy day. There was a severe famine, uh, and, and it, the economy went down the tubes into the tank. The food prices went sky high. Um, We have a little bit of experience in economic uh, downturns, and uh, this was a radical downturn. Um, If he had had any friends before, there are no friends left. His friends were there for parties, but they weren't really going to be there for him unless there were going to be parties. Uh, Verse 15, he has a new job. So he went and hired himself out. Uh, To a citizen of that country. Now this is really going to be the low point for this young man. Uh, He hires himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the field uh, to feed the pigs. This is a humiliating position. He was a Jewish young man. And now he will hire himself out to a Gentile uh, employer. Now for a Jewish person of the first century, this would be a pretty humiliating thing. Um, his audience understands whether you uh, agree or disagree. His audience understands the place that he's in. His job was to feed pigs. You know, the Old Testament pigs were considered to be unclean. The Jewish people generally did not own pigs. And so this guy has to take care of the pigs. He has to feed the pigs. He would have been considered ceremonial unclean for touching a pig. Um, so he went from being rich and famous to being poor and now an outcast. And so he faces a new economic reality. Verse 16, he longed to fill his stomach with pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him any things, anything. Um, things are so bad that even the food. That the pigs are eating looks good. Have you ever watched pigs eat? I don't have a lot of experience with this, but as a young man, as a young boy, I got to watch pigs eat. And I'll tell you what, what they ate did not smell very good at all. Uh, I'm sure there are a lot of different things that you can feed pigs. These pigs were eating pods from the uh, carob tree. Apparently, the people that he worked with weren't even kind enough or generous enough Uh, to uh, feed the young man, so he stayed hungry. Verses 17 through uh, 19, this thing logically progresses, and we now have the humbled son. Uh, Now is the time for a reality check. Verse 17, when he came to his senses, this is important, one of the most important things in the story, he came to his senses. He says, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. Um, He is gaining now a more accurate view of reality. Uh, This is an important concept because people don't always have an accurate view of reality. And... um, His circumstances have brought him so low that he has to reflect. He has to think about his situation. He thinks about where he came from. He thinks about what has happened to him, how he got there, and uh, he's going to recalculate a little bit. Um, He remembers uh, even the hired help had uh, plenty of food back home. And uh, so he has to come up with a new plan, verses 18-18 and 19 look at verse 18 he says uh, i will set out and i will go back to my father and say to him father i have sinned against heaven and against you now um he means business here he's being honest he's not seeking to manipulate uh, anyone he's not seeking to manipulate his dad to get back in his good graces he is just at the bottom of the pile he has come to his senses and now he wishes that he was he were back at home. He wishes he could have a do-over. And so he makes a plan. He truly humbles himself. Um, he's humbled by his predicament and the consequences of his poor choices. Now he plans to apologize to Dad. He plans to admit his failure. And uh, he says, "I'm no longer." His plan is to say, "I'm no longer worthy to be called your son." Make me. Like one of your hired men. He recognizes that he's dishonored his father, he's dishonored his family, and he's not worthy to be treated like a son. He hopes that dad will hire him on so he could be just like one of the servants back home. Verses 20 through 24 um, a celebrated son. Act, uh, notice the action now. Verse 20. This is a crucial part of the story. Uh, he got up and he went to his father. He took the initiative. He took action. Um, he didn't stay in the pig pen. That's a pretty, pretty important part of the story here. Um, he got up. He put a shoe leather to his plan and he did something. Um, verse 20 we see the reception that he receives uh, second part of verse 20 Uh, but while he was still a long way off his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him and he ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and kissed him one of the things that we see in the passage is the father was able to see him a long way off the father uh Saw him coming. Uh, He had hoped for this day for a long time. The father moved quickly. The father moved with compassion, love for his son. Now, one of the amazing things, too, to think about in this story is the father never bails out the son. He could have. He could have tried to fix everything. He could have gotten went to get the son. Uh, But the father waits for the son to come. But he's moved with compassion. He ran to his son. This is really breaking first century customs. Uh, older men did not run to their sons. It was up to the son to, to come to him. And he breaks tradition uh, out of his excitement to see his son coming. And he embraced him and he hugged him and he kissed him. This is not exactly what the son was expecting. You know, it could have been. I told you so. You were really, really stupid. Do you know what you cost us? Do you know what you've done to our family? He doesn't say that, does he? Verse 21, the confession. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And he was exactly right. The son humbly confesses his sin, his failure to his father. Um, He's he recognizes that not only has he failed his father, but he's failed heaven. And if you remember uh, in the first century, when they talked about heaven or failing heaven, he really means failing God because they wanted to talk about the place where God dwelled. Um, they were they were not they were very careful about talking about God or using his name in any way. So talking about heaven uh, was talking about God and God's reputation. And he acknowledges that he's not worthy to be viewed as a son. However, before he can negotiate and kind of work out the details for working for his father as a hired hand, uh, his father takes over, verses 22 through 24, and we see the celebration. But his father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. The best robe is for the honored uh, guest, uh, a celebrated, honored guest. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. The ring gives the son authority now. The son is accepted back. Uh, the ring gives the son authority to do business in the name of the family. A signet ring. Uh, one that um, carried authority that could, could be a seal for uh, the family name. So an official document uh, would carry the seal from this ring and he put sandals on his feet. Uh, Slaves were barefooted to put sandals on this man's feet was saying he's a son. He's a free man. He's not going to be one of our servants. And then he says, bringing the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Uh, The fattened calf only suggests that this family had a plan for celebration Um, that's the purpose of this calf, was for a time of celebration. It wasn't the normal fare. It wasn't what they were going to eat tomorrow night for supper. It was for a really important event. And now is the time to celebrate. Why? Verse 24, for the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. So they began to celebrate. That's what we've seen in the other stories. Something got lost. There was a search. Something got found. And uh, then there is a celebration. He was dead for all practical, practical purposes to his family. He had separated himself from the family. He was lost. Now he's found. Now, is there a spiritual component to the story? Absolutely. Let's see the end of our video. So the story is not so much about the son As it is the father, the father who never gave up, the father who loves his son and has so much compassion on his son and who forgives his son. Let's go on. Verses 25 through 30. This is a part of the story that's not so well known. Look at. Uh, verse uh, we come to verse 25 a self-righteous son and he's really going to respond with jealousy that's what we see first verses 25 through 27 meanwhile the older son was in the field when he came near the house he heard the music and dancing so he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on your brother has come he replied and your father has killed the fattened calf because uh, he has come back safe and sound now the text doesn't say he's jealous or that he's exper- We don't know what the older brother is feeling or experiencing until we get to the next section. Um, there's music. There's a party. There's a banquet. Your brother has come back. That's good news, right? That's exciting news, right? Uh, that's a reason to celebrate, right? Not so. Look at verse 28. His anger. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. Think about this. His long lost foolish brother has come home. He's admitted his uh, failure. He he is humbly asked for forgiveness. And the older brother became angry. The older brother wouldn't go in to the celebration. He's going to stay outside. The younger son, son was in the family and he left. He couldn't stand to be at the with the family. And um, now he comes home and he humbles himself. Now the older brother has been there and now he's going to, he won't go in. He's on the outside right now. Verse 20, 28, 29. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and I've never disobeyed your orders. Yet. You never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Now we see the inner heart of the brother. He says, I've been slaving for you. Doesn't sound much like he enjoyed his father, that he sought to honor his father by his service. It doesn't sound like he respected his father much. He was doing what he was doing so that he would be recognized it's not about people, it's about the task for him. It's, what about me? You, knew, you never threw a party for me. What about me? How do you think I feel? That's where the brother's heart was. Um, in verse 28, we see that the father went out and pleaded with him. The father went out to him. He didn't wait for the son to come. He went out to him. The se- this is the second son. Verse 30, the son uh, shifts the blame. But when his, this son of yours has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home. Now, the text didn't say uh, he squandered his money with prostitutes. But the older son says that. Uh, may well, he may well have. He says, you killed the fattened calf for him. Notice the blame. This son of yours... By the way, it's his brother, but he's he's blaming dad. It's the son of yours who's uh, he's the one who squandered your property. Um, And yet you've killed the fatted calf to celebrate. It's not fair. Uh, What about me? Why would you do this for him? What about me? And doesn't seem to care very much about his brother who has come home. And now we come to verses 31 and 32. It's really what the parable is all about. It's a parable of a loving father. We see the father's reason in verse 31. My son, the father said, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. Here's the truth. The father always provided for the son. The father gave his son a double portion of all his inheritance The father loved his oldest son. His father kept nothing from the oldest son. He gave all of the same privileges to the older son. Verse 32, we see the father's heart. He said, but we had to celebrate and be glad. This brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This is what the parable is about. The father had to celebrate. The father had to be glad. Why? Because your brother was dead and he's now alive. He was lost. He is now found. This is important to the father who loves his son. So what's the story about? What's the story about? Let's go back to our context. Luke uh, chapter 15 verses 1 and 2. Remember this? This is how all the parables begin. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. The tax collectors uh, were people hated in first century Israel. They were very irreligious. They were about money, primarily. And they weren't afraid to um, manipulate or sell out their countrymen for the sake of the dollar. They were not liked. Uh, The sinners included prostitutes. It just was people who were irreligious and far from God. People who weren't a part of the religious community. Jesus attracted people like this in large numbers. And he enjoyed hanging out with this group of people. This is like our uh, youngest son, isn't it? The one who got far away and far from God. And verse 2, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Here's the religious crowd, and they're criticizing Jesus for uh, hanging out uh, with uh, lost people. And which brother is this most like? This is like the oldest son, the self-righteous brother. Uh, the assumption of the first century was is that God hates sinners. That was his, that's what the Pharisees, that's what the religious crowd thought. That he doesn't hate the good people. He doesn't hate the religious people. He doesn't hate the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the scribes and the teachers of the law. He loves us. We're good people. Uh, but he hates the tax collectors and the sinners. The point of the story is that God loves everybody. God loves lost people. God loves irreligious people. God loves people far from God. Lost people matter to God, including you and including me. This is the story of the loving Father. He loves people of every kind. So when you think about the story and you think about the father and you think about the older son and the younger son, which one describes you? Which one describes you? How about the self-centered son? The person uh, who was far from God. Now, it could be the self-centered son at any point in the story. Sometimes we just get far and we stay out there and, and we're far from God. And in our story, this son came home, and he humbled himself before the father, and he admitted his failure, and he admitted his sin, and the father received him. The second one is the uh, self-righteous son. And uh, this son is the one who uh, th- thought he was better than other people. Uh, he thought he he lived on a higher plane, and he was more valuable than other people. And it was really a sense of pride, a uh, religious pride uh In the first century and and this son just thought he deserved um, more than his brother and the danger for us is somehow thinking that we 're better than other people that's that there are sinners that are that are worse than us and we 're more valuable because we don 't sin as much, and that 's just making sin relative there's There are good sinners, and we 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 think in terms of there are bad sinners and there are good sinners. And we're probably in the good center crowd, and, uh, which is not true. Um, and then uh, what about the loving father? Now, in the story, the loving father is going to be God. And you and I aren't going to be God. But what about how God handles it? He has compassion for people are far from him. He has compassion for irreligious people. He has compassion for people who fail. And for people who are restored. And uh, I think that's to be like Jesus. Which one represents you? In Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. The scripture says. For the son of man came to seek and to save that what was lost. This was Jesus's mission. To seek and to save. Just like the parables in Luke 15. Something lost, something searched for, something found. Today, Jesus uses his church to search for people who are far from him. To help people understand who Jesus is and what he's done for them. And to bring them into a relationship uh, with him. And he's searching for people today, right now. To be connected to the true and living God. And um, as I close this morning, I just want to take the opportunity to um, where are you in your life or your journey with God? And um, do you know for sure that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? You know for sure your sins are forgiven. You know for sure you have eternal life, that the Father has uh, accepted you into his family. And so let me just close by reminding us of uh, the important truths that help us understand how to have a relationship with God. And uh, first of all, we are all sinners, and everybody needs to understand all of us are sinners. And so there's not like good sinners and bad sinners. We're all in the same boat. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Secondly, we're all accountable to God, and um, our sin separates us from God. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, and and death is about separation. It's about separation from God, and here it's spiritual death, eternal death, and Jesus called that hell. We're all accountable to to God. We're all going to stand before God, and our sin is going to separate us if we do nothing about it. Thirdly, we must be reconciled to God through Christ. In the story, the son was reconciled to the father. He humbled himself and came back to the father, admitted uh, his sin. Um, God made it possible for us to be reconciled to him by sending his son, Jesus. This is, some of the, most, this is the most important truth in the Bible. John three sixteen says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. It was because of his love. God sent his son and the purpose was to be the solution for sin. The purpose was to reconcile uh, us back to uh, God. Um, it's the only solution for sin. John 14:6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It was because of God's love. John 3:16, but Romans 5, 8 also says, but God demonstrated his own love toward us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's an amazing thing. Christ died for our sin. He paid the penalty for our sin. Um, I deserve death. For the wages of sin is death for all people, except Christ died for our sin and he paid the penalty for our sin. And uh, that sin penalty has been covered by Jesus. The fourth thing is that we all have the same choice. And God's requirement for us is very simply to believe what God said about his son And what his son has done for us. Acts 16.31 says. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will be saved. Saved from the penalty of sin. It's about trusting what God has said. About his son. And just uh, as I close this morning. um, I'd like to give anybody in the room. An opportunity. To place their faith in Jesus. If they've never done that before. And the way I'm going to do that. Is I just want to kind of say a prayer that summarizes um, what I've t- talked about here these last uh, couple of minutes. And I'm going to say the prayer the first time so that you can just hear it and understand it. I just want you to think about what the words mean, and if that, you could make that prayer your very own. And then I'm going to pray through it a second time, and I'm going to invite us all to bow our heads. And uh, if that prayer made sense to you, I'm going I'm to ask you to, um, to join me. But first, the, so just listen to this. Here's the prayer. Does this make sense to you? Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. Thank you that Jesus died for me. I trust Jesus right now to pay the penalty for my sin. And I invite Jesus um, into my life to guide me in the future. And um, it's that simple. So let's pray through it a second time. And let's just everybody bow our heads. And if that prayer made sense to you, and if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ and his death on the cross for you, I invite you to pray with me. Just pray silently from your own heart. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. Thank you that Jesus died for me. I trust him right now to pay the penalty for my sin. And I invite Jesus... uh, to come into my life, and I ask him to help me to be the kind of person that he wants me to be. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, would you just slip up your hand so I can see? If you prayed along with me the second time, just slip up your hand. Anyone else? If you prayed that prayer, just slip up your hand. Thank you. Father, I um, thank you for your faithfulness, and I thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, as we reflect on the story, we are just reminded about how much you love uh, people and how you rejoice when people just humble themselves uh, before you. Help us to have compassion like you for all people. Help us to be involved in the search for people that are uh, far from you. May we uh, develop a heart and keep a heart like the youngest son who humbled himself. And may we remain humble uh, as we walk with you day by day for Jesus' sake. Amen.